Welcome to Programming Love Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, Oli. This is a lovely podcast where we talk to people from the software industry about everything. Software design, user experience, cloud technologies, and more. Anton, take it from here. Hello. I've been waiting for this new episode for a whole week, so I'm really excited. We have a nice guest today for this specific episode. Yes. So in our first episode with James Ward, we've mentioned GraalVM several times. If you haven't already, you should check it out. It is an exciting technology, and GraalVM is a polyglot VM developed at Oracle. So we have Alex Shalive with us today. He's a developer advocate at Oracle on the GraalVM project. Hello. Hi, Oli. Hi, everyone. I'm Oleg, and yeah, I work on the GraalVM team. It is a very exciting project. And I'm super happy that it takes and gets more and more exposure in the community and more and more projects and teams kind of start looking at that. It's a versatile and like, it's a large project, right? But hopefully the future ahead of that is bright and it will help us as the community grow further. Thank you for the intro, but let's first understand what GraalVM is. Right. So right off the bat with hard questions. Very good. So what GraalVM is, it's a runtime. It's a high-performance polyglot runtime, and it's also an embeddable runtime. So it's high-performance polyglot embeddable runtime. So like three main things, what GraalVM is. It means it's a platform for your applications, and you can run them. And it supports many languages. We support JVM languages. We support JavaScript. We support Node.js as a platform. We support Ruby, Python. We support native languages that go through LLVM. So we support R. I forgot someone and they will be kind of a little bit mad at me. But we support a lot of languages. We recently added experimental support for WASM, right, WebAssembly. So GraalVM can run programs in those with different levels of maturity and compatibility with existing ecosystems, right, but more or less run them very well, right? And then that's the polyglot aspect, right? And the, at the heart of the GraalVM project is the GraalVM compiler, which is the compiler that can be used as a just-in-time compiler, kind of a C2 replacement in your normal hotspot JVM. It's a top tier optimizing JIT compiler. So whenever your code gets hot and it gets executed a lot of times, right? And the, the VM decides, oh, look, I would like this code to be more efficient. Eventually it will get to the GraalVM compiler. And the compiler will look at that code and produce really, really nice, really fast, really nicely optimized machine code. So that's what the compiler does. So GraalVM compiler, unlike CT, can also be used as an ahead-of-time compiler. If you think about what the compiler does, it takes in, say, bytecode or some sort of representation of the program, typically like compiler graphs, and then it produces machine code out of that. And so you can think of a compiler signature as taking the bytecode and taking the profile, right? Some meta information about the code paths taken in the program and data types and the, which values maybe go through, right? Maybe in some particular method, you only give like small integers Right? So you get the profiler of the code execution, and then you get back a machine code. So if you pass to this compiler kind of the bytecode and you pass, no, you don't pass a profile, right? There is no profile, then it still can work, right? On the signature level, it kind of like works out, right? You pass in bytecode, you pass in null, and you still get the machine code, right? So that's how you get a ahead of time compiler, right? You don't feed in any runtime information and you still get back the machine code. The trick is that for the ahead-of-time compiler, you need different kinds of optimizations. Because at runtime, you can speculate a lot. You can make some maybe questionable decisions, knowing that you can always de-optimize when the profile changes. So the data types will come back, or additional class will be loaded. And so you can de-optimize and optimize again. So with the ahead-of-time compilation, you cannot do this, because you kind of like compile everything ahead of time. There is also, technically, it could be possible, the mixed approach. But currently, Graalvium doesn't support that particularly for the JVM bytecode. But long story short, at the heart of the GraalVM project is the compiler, and that's how GraalVM has started. Eight years ago, Thomas Wurtinger, who is currently the lead of the GraalVM project at Oracle Labs, asked himself a question, whether we can write compilers differently, like a good compiler, whether we can write it differently from how we did it before. And they did it. They started writing compiler a little bit differently with the GraalVM compiler written in Java, Right, so like a, maybe an, a little bit unusual language for such a low-level runtime component as a JIT compiler, but it worked out. 
And now we have the compiler that we can use in the JVM context as the top tier optimizing compiler. And your Java applications, or your Scala applications, or your Kotlin applications, or your Clojure applications, or your Groovy applications, or your Phantom applications will run normally, right? Because the compiler only concerns itself with the bytecode. And the rest of the components of the hotspot are not changed, right? So it's normal hotspot. GraalVM distribution contains a compatible JDK, right? You can download that, you can run your code, you can get better results. You mentioned the just-in-time compiler. The ahead-of-time compilation process is probably referring to the native image creation, right? Right. So what I wanted just to highlight, right, and it's important for understanding what GraalVM is, that the compiler is quite versatile. So it can be used as a ahead-of-time compiler, right? So if you massage your application in a certain way, right, if you look at your application and feed your application to the compiler in a certain way, right, you can get back the machine code without actually running your application, right? That's what ahead-of-time compilation is. So native image, what is native image? It's a component within the GraalVM, and it's a technology that can statically analyze the bytecode of your application and feed it to the GraalVM compiler in a way that it gets back the machine code and then it can write it out into executable file and binary file. And then it looks at your application classes and all your dependencies, right? Like all the bytecode that will ever be executed. That includes the JDK classes, right? So Java lang string and Java util something and the collection libraries and I don't know, Corba or whatever, right? So the JDK classes are also in the same mix. They're also written in Java. So to get them compile ahead of time, you need to actually process them, right? It also takes a thin implementation of a virtual machine of the runtime, some runtime components, right? Because your application wants to run as if memory is infinite. When I write my Kotlin Hello World, I don't manually manage memory. I operate under the assumption that memory is infinite and the runtime will somehow figure it out all other JVM languages, like with all like actually managed languages. The same with JavaScript and Ruby, like I don't actually manually figure out which bytes need to be allocated or relieved. So there has to be some component in the result that will actually do the same for me, right? Because otherwise my application will run for like a number of maybe seconds and then it will just crash because the memory is actually in the physical world, the memory is not infinite. So there is a component called Substrate VM, and it's a collection of the runtime components like GC or the implementation of the threading facilities right, and other things that JVM normally, JVM will give your application. And those are also written in Java. So the native image utility takes all the bytecode, right, including this runtime components, the runtime components like GC, including the JDK library, including your dependencies and your classes, looks at all of that, builds the huge map of objects which point to which other objects, right? So it builds the full closed universe. And then it feeds all that to the compiler and the compiler does its magic. And the compiler assumes that this is the full universe, right? That nothing will change. Right? This is all the bytecode that ever be executed. And then it outputs the native image. It outputs the machine code that can run without depending on the JVM to run, right? So it's a standalone executable. You can think of native image as a certain runtime optimization. The same way you write your code and it's executed on JVM, right? And then sometimes some certain methods could be very fast, right? Or sometimes like some methods could be not as fast, right? But you don't actually control that, right? You just hope that the JIT will do the right thing and optimize and your application will get a certain performance profile. So hopefully applications will run fast, right? The assumption is it's the closed world, right? Right. In the native image, but in Java, it's not a closed world. Yes, of we, Because we have reflection there and we have class for a name and yes, we can do class for a name on some dynamically generated string. Yes, exactly. So the dynamic class loading is what makes the JVM application runtime not closed world, right? Because you start with loading like a few classes of your application classes and then the JVM will load additional classes on demand at runtime, right? And normally you can actually kind of like for many, many applications, you can actually look at them and say like, oh yeah, we will load that library and we will load my dependencies. Like imagine you package your application, right? You say a Spring Boot application, right? It's a, normally it will be like a jar file at the end. And it's kind of more or less reasonable to assume that everything that the application will use is within that jar file. So it doesn't have to be, 
but it's sort of for many applications that is. So on the JVM, there is no closed world assumption, but if you can operate under the closed world assumption, the native image can do this performance optimization for you, where it pre-compiles the classes, right? And it compiles everything ahead of time. And then the result doesn't depend on the JVM, and everything in there is pre-compiled, right? So the performance runtime of the native image output will be different from running on the JVM. So JVM is great as a platform and gives you absolutely ridiculous peak performance, right? Throughput of our applications is really, really good. You run on the JVM. JVM powers the world for a reason, right? It's stable, it's a mature platform, and it's really, really fast. And also because so much effort was put into optimizing that, together with throughput, JVM gives you really, really good tail latencies, right? So like nowadays, even better with the additions of the newer garbage collection algorithms, which are concurrent and parallel, and then uh, trying to minimize the stop the wall pauses, right? And then to like low latency garbage collection implementations like Shenandoah, ZGC, and whatnot, right? On the JVM, you optimize for the long run. Native image doesn't include any JIT compilation facilities, like when we talk about Java applications or like JVM applications. Like, there is no JIT. It's pre-compiled. We just execute it as a normal huh. executable. There is no magic in between, like at runtime. Yeah. It's kind of predictable yeah. what is happening yes. there. You get very critical performance, right? Because you don't need to do a lot of things at runtime, like at the beginning of the runtime. You don't need to load the classes. You don't need to find the classes through the jar files. You don't need to start loading the bytecode for the JDK classes, right? You don't need to start compiling methods with that will always be hot. Like in any application, array list probably will be hot if you use an array list. Everyone uses an array list, right? So you don't need to do that. You don't need to verify class files. You don't need to compile anything, right? So the JVM will warm up in the beginning and it will be kind of like, it will not be slow, but it will be a little bit sluggish, right? And it will allocate like quite a bit of memory because it needs to start the just-in-time compilation infrastructure, right? So it needs to like load the JIT compiler itself, right? And then it needs to look at the bytecode and then it needs to build the compiling graphs and like it's an actual graph. So it, it needs to allocate memory for that. And it needs to store some metadata about the class files because that's what JVM has to do, right? So there is quite a bit of activities happening in the beginning of the runtime on the JVM. It takes a lot of CPU and it also kind of immediately starts consuming quite a bit of memory, right? Like a few hundred megabytes at least. So native image doesn't need to do that because everything is pre-compiled. Some classes are actually even pre-initialized, right? So native image, when it like generates things, it can look at the classes, initialize some classes, and then like write out the objects, like the heap, initialized heap of the thing of your application. So native image doesn't need to do a lot of work at startup. So the startup is really like a few milliseconds. It also that can also do makes difference in memory footprint. Yes, the memory footprint comes mostly from the fact like you don't reduce the memory footprint magically, right? It still will need to allocate objects, and if you allocate the array that is like too large for a memory, it will need to allocate the array. And if you use like two gigabytes of RAM for your objects, maybe you like build a largish library dictionary or like hash map or something, right? You build a cache that memory will still be used by your application. But what won't be used is the memory that JVM will use on the JIT compilation facilities because there is nothing like that there because it's not necessary. So for small applications, for certain applications, for like a normal microservice, if you will, right, the native image consumption of the memory by native image could be in like under 100 megabytes, which makes it really, really good for certain use cases, for certain scenarios, right? Where do we need... Fast startup and low memory usage? Cloud. Serverless. Exactly. In the environments where we actually pay for the startup and for the memory usage. If you run your own clusters, if you don't want to scale to zero automatically, you don't care about scaling to zero, then because you don't care for paying for the actual like, runtime of the process, you don't want native image. What you want is running on the normal JVM with the state of the RGIT compiler and then make use of and get benefits from this JIT compilation facilities, right? And it's been excellent. And for a number of years, we were running applications like that and everyone was happy. So nowadays, the trend is towards running on the cloud in managed environments where you actually pay for the resource consumption. And specifically in serverless deployments or sometimes like in the serverless, the memory usage is the most 
interesting thing because you pay for memory. For example, you allocate your AWS Lambda and you literally, the more memory it consumes, the more money you pay. If you can put your service into the Lambda that will consume 128 megabytes of RAM, it will be twice cheaper than if the Lambda consumes 256, right? If you run a normal JVM process, then perhaps you need like 500 megabytes. So the difference there could be like literally like four or five times. Exactly. But the, startup, on, but the startup time is also important, right? If we want to meet the SLA. Yes. The startup time gives you a little bit different benefit. Like it does save money on the actual runtime. If you start the service, if you get like a cold start, which is when there is no deployments of your application before, right? And then the event happens, an HTTP request or a Kafka message or like whatever other thing can trigger the application processing time. Then you start your application. And if your application starts for like 10 seconds, you need to pay for that. It also kind of like a little bit unfortunate for the user to wait like for 10 seconds while your application starts up, but maybe that is acceptable. Normally, if that is not acceptable, what you would do, you would keep the services running, right? You literally, you would have your car running. That's what they do in Siberia, I know. Like I've heard, right? I've never been to Siberia, but I've heard that when the winter comes, right? And it's a very harsh winter conditions, like minus 40 Celsius, like you never stop your car. You stop your car, it will not start up afterwards, right? That's because true. The, I'm from Siberia, and even when you're at the gas station, you don't yeah. stop your car. Because once you stop, like it will freeze and you will not start. So what you do, you just keep running. Yeah, it burns through the gasoline, right? But it works. So that's what you do when you cannot scale to zero, right? You keep your processes running and they will be very efficient processes, right? They will be managing to like tons of concurrent requests easily. Like you will probably give them quite a bit of resources as well, but you need to pay for that. And for very many applications, this is maybe not the ideal deployment scenario. A native image gives you the ability to scale your services to zero. And then with the startup of like 25 milliseconds or like 40 milliseconds, perhaps you can react to the spike in traffic by just like spinning up like tons of native images to process individual requests, right? The exact, the ideal runtime for your serverless applications. Perfect. Let's get back to this JIT story for a second. So you mentioned this new state-of-the-art JIT is actually written in Java. So it yes. means that it has to be compiled when the JVM is starting? Yes, absolutely. We need to JIT the JIT. Yes. Imagine, so the Gradium compiler is written in Java. So it's Java classes. It's a jar file, right? It's a jar file. So when your JVM starts working, it can use that code. But eventually, it will be like, oh, this compiler compile method is really hot. Like, I, I call it all the time. Let me compile that. Right? So you need to compile those classes. And before, in the previous releases, that was the default mode of operation. Right? The GraalVM compiler was supplied as a jar file. You needed to compile the JIT compile the compiler. Okay. That wasn't ideal for two reasons. It's a little bit of a trade-off, but it was also not ideal for two reasons. So the not ideal factors are you actually need longer warm-up time because instead of compiling your application that does business work, right, you are compiling the compiler that does infrastructure work in your process. So the warm-up was a little bit slower. And then the second part was the compiler code would pollute the profile of your application. Right? So if your application uses, say, array list in one specific manner, and the compiler would use array list in a different manner, the profile could be polluted. Right? So like the, the compiler afterwards will be like, oh, I'm using array list this way and that way. I better compile it for the both. So it might lead to not the most optimized code. While if the compiler profile would be separate, that would not happen. The benefit of that approach was that the compiler would operate on the Java heap Right? So normally CPU operates in the native memory, right? So your total memory consumption, RSS of your process is larger, but the heap is smaller, right? So there is a heap memory that your application can use, and there is this overhead memory that your process infrastructure will use. So actually, if your compiler also uses heap memory because it's a jar file, then after the compilation are done, it will give that memory back to your application. Right, because it's on the heap, right? The GC will run and the collect the compiler graphs or whatnot. And then, so if you run in the constraint environment with the compiler as a jar file, you can actually have more, like a larger chunk 
of the available memory for the heap because you don't need to have as much native memory. But that was before. So it's a little bit of a trade-off and it's a very good question because it actually makes you understand things. So what we do now, we don't want to compile our compiler just in time, at runtime. This is the problem statement. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We compile the GraalVM compiler as a native image into a shared library. And then it is used from the native as code. A, as a binary code. Like as a, as a binary code, yeah. kind of like C2. It gives you the same and the very similar performance characteristics to C2 because you don't need to compile the compiler anymore because it's already pre-compiled. And it also doesn't use the Java heap anymore because it was already compiled into a native image. So it will use the thin layer of the runtime components that I mentioned before. It will operate in this individual native memory. Okay. This is how now, by default, GraalVM operates. So you download the GraalVM distribution, right? So you go to the graalvm.org slash downloads, and then you click the button, and you get the download, and then you run it. Run, you run graalvm slash bin slash Java, and it will mm -hmm. run. And then the GraalVM compiler there will be pre-compiled and by default used the pre-compiled version of the GraalVM compiler. Okay. By the way, so, when you want to download GraalVM, you have two options, community and enterprise. What's the difference? Very good question. So indeed, there are two flavors. And GraalVM, the core of the GraalVM project is open source. We package that as the GraalVM community edition. And the source for that project is on GitHub. And you can go there. And there are a bunch of repositories. And the main one, the main entry point is probably github.com slash oracle slash Graal. And that one contains the compiler and the language interpretation framework and the LLVM Bitcoin interpreter and the runtime components for the native image and the native image code itself. And that one is open source, right? And it's, there are different licenses to different components and they're listed on GitHub and you can look at them, but they're mostly, they're actually the same as in their counterparts in the larger ecosystem. So the bits necessary for running Java code are under GPL2 plus the class pass exception, which is the same as OpenJDK. Right, the, the bits that are running, like say Ruby code under the same licenses as Ruby, JavaScript, say as JavaScript and so on, right? So we try to be a good citizen of the open source ecosystem. The problem could be out of the box replacement for the runtimes for those other languages. Modular compatibility with the ecosystem, right? So for JavaScript, it's absolutely like it's top notch. We pass all the tests, we're compatible. It's that same level of compatibility with language as the newer V8 and Node.js downloads, right? So we test on the NPM packages and it's going to work out of the box, no questions. And then, for example, for Python, which is a much younger integration that we have, the Python code itself will run fine, but maybe the native extensions, the native code, the C code that comes with your Python modules, that might find some challenges. Maybe there is a library that will not work out of the box on our Python yet, but we will get there. So, okay. but the licenses, back to the licenses and back to the community versus the GraalVM Enterprise versions. So, and there is also an Oracle product called GraalVM Enterprise, which is the proprietary version of the GraalVM technology. It differentiates on the features. So the main thing there is that the GraalVM compiler is more powerful than the one that is available in the community edition. Right. So the so, community so it adds some sort of uh, extra optimizations for the JIT compiler. Yeah, there are extra optimizations. There are extra stuff that it knows how to do. Right. So there are many, many man hours and a much a lot of effort was put into making the, the GraalVM Enterprise compiler even faster, and it will probably give you better performance results. Right. It also there are some differences in what it can do functionally to the with the native image. So, for example, the profile guided optimizations for the native image are the GraalVM Enterprise feature. So you can build the native image and run it with some load, record the profile, and then build the native image with that profile. That's what the profile guided optimizations are. You still get the benefits of the head of time compilation, but you also get the some sort of a profile from the runtime information. Your machine code will be more optimized and faster. That is the GraalVM Enterprise feature. There are some other small things, like for example, we have the LLVM Bitcode interpreter, and the GraalVM Enterprise can run that in a fully in a managed mode, where we kind of virtualize all the calls, even to the operating system libraries. It kind of runs in the fully managed environment, 
So it can reduce probability of certain classes of vulnerabilities. Right. That is only in the enterprise edition. That is a feature of the GraalVM enterprise. So the GraalVM community will run all applications the same way as GraalVM enterprise. So there is no difference. There is a, some sort of downgrade. So like if you run your application on the GraalVM enterprise and you suddenly want to run in the community edition, you can do that and it will be able to run your applications. But it differentiates on performance and some scalability features like that. It's a proprietary product. You can try it, you can download it from the Oracle Technology Network under the evaluation license and you can like do your measurements and then you can contact us and we'll figure out the way forward. But you can also just go with the community edition if you prefer to do so. I see. But probably the community edition is the one that gets more attention, right? From the community. Exactly. So from the community, the Gravium community edition gets much more attention. So last year in May, we released our first production-ready release of GraalVM, right? It was in May, we did that. And now, like, a little bit than one year later, we actually have quite a community of the companies and projects that are interested in GraalVM. So in November, we had the inaugural workshop in Zurich, which where a large chunk of the GraalVM team is located and working. And there were some people from companies who participated in the GraalVM project. And then we established the advisory board, which is a number of people who, from those companies who would like to see the Gravium project succeed, right, and kind of a little bit coordinate on the efforts within the Gravium ecosystem. And there are companies who are represented there are very different. So there is Red Hat and there is uh, Shopify, which kind of works with us on the our Ruby implementation. And there is the HPI Institute that the university that works on the small talk implementation. And there are other teams and companies like that. There is Amazon, which probably are most interesting, probably native image and cloud maybe, but I'm not sure. There are many companies and the Gravium is a good open source project and it moves forward and the community steps up. And when they see that there are some, some things missing or some things that are not up to their expectations, they just collaborate with us. Right, so recently we published a blog post about, for example, Alibaba. At some point in the past, they, they looked at GraalVM technology and they were like, oh, native image is very interesting for the cloud workloads. And they started experimenting with that for their applications. And I'm sure they run all sorts of technologies and it's a very big company. But they looked at that and they saw that there were some inefficiencies, for example, in the implementation, default implementation, the garbage collection within the native image. And then they fixed it and then they run their workloads in the cloud and they said that it was running through the the singles day as well right 11 11th 11th of november the day was the most e-commerce transactions ever right and the, some part of that load was handled by the gravium native image at alibaba right and they contributed things back which actually is quite spectacular it was always a sign of a good developer when a developer sees that something is not great with the tools that they're using. They complain on Twitter once. If that complaint doesn't like lead to a reaction, if the tweet doesn't go viral, you can go and fix it if you have the capacity, right? If you're truly interested in something. It's been really interesting to watch how GraalVM gets more and more interested in different communities. So for example, I know Closure Community got really positive feedback to GraalVM and they built a number of projects. The feedback was that the performance improvement was great for closure applications or what? Actually both. So obviously as everyone else, they got really interested in the, I mean, they, it's a very, like you have to understand it's a community of the, in the, within the programming language, right? So it's, there is no single entity, right? It's just many different people working using the same tools. Right. And then some of them got interested in native image and they translated and worked and they figured out a way how to produce certain libraries that they use and how to produce native images of those. Right. I know in the Scala community, for example, Oli, do you know a project that uses native images? Oh, yes. I know a lot of projects actually that prefer native images. Yeah. Uh, okay. But I mean, I cannot talk about my clients that I used to work on, but my current project, my path project, we're doing this with native image because it's just faster. And and remember this first time when we've met at J-Point in Moscow? We were quite nerdy, actually. Instead of enjoying the meals of the speaker's dinner, 
after the conference, we decided to hack a little bit on GraalVM because I was struggling with a task where the compilation of my Scala project would take like half an hour. And I right. remember that you helped me with installing GraalVM and doing all this magic. And we ended up speeding up it by 20% or something. No, it was 40. It was 40. What, it was okay, 40, I'm 40. sorry. I don't remember no, that's no. correct. Yeah, I remember that vividly. That was very actually interesting of you actually, like at the dinner, to whip up your laptop and be like, okay, let's download this and prove it that it can run Scala code faster, like by like 40%. And it's very interesting actually, yeah. So, but you, you said two different things, right? So you can run your Scala application just faster by using GraalVM with the JIT, right? Yep. And like GraalVM JIT is really, really good. Like C2 is also very, very good, right? But maybe it's not as good for Scala programs, which maybe produce a little bit different bytecode patterns bytecode, yeah. than the normal Java programs. So the GraalVM compiler there shows absolutely spectacular results. And then native image is, yeah, if you're writing applications that would like to use less memory. I know that Scala FMT, like the Scala for Matter, mm -hmm. they optionally serve the native image version of the formatter. That's true. So if you use Scala FMT, you will be like, I'm using Graalium native images. By the way, the native images, are they targeting different platforms as well, like Windows, Linux, right. Mac? They are native, right? So when you build a native image, it's actually a platform-dependent binary. Mm -hmm. And currently, you can build them for the three main operating systems. So we have the Windows version, which I'll buy maybe for certain versions of Windows. It depends on the Windows SDK and then, but I've seen it work on Windows, right? And then you can build the Linux version, which is most people are probably doing for the cloud deployments. It also works for Mac. I know that there is, a, so you can build native images out of some JavaFX applications if you would like to build like the UI having application, but they're platform dependent. So you have to run the actual like binary for the platform that you build it for. And we currently support, so, what do we have? We have Intels and we have the ARM support. I think it landed some time ago, this okay. maybe. So on ARMs, you can also do that. There is no cross-compilation currently, unfortunately, for the native image, but you can always build it on the cloud machine just with mm -hmm. an ARM processor and then use it on your probably smaller devices. Scala community should be like really fond of GraalVM, right? Yes, and they are. But, I know, I know yeah, they are. Yeah, that's what's happening. By the way, are you familiar with Scala native or Kotlin native, and how would you compare that to Graal native images? Right. I'm familiar like as a potential user who has heard things, right? So both Scala native and Kotlin native, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I might not be like very precise. So the teams that are built the capability to take respectively like Scala code or Kotlin code and compile it to the machine code as well, yes. right? So, and it works a little bit similar to the native image. And I think the main difference there is that native image actually can process the Java bytecode as well without restricting you to be fully in the language ecosystem, right? So I think with Scala native, you can only compile Scala code. It's not even the whole, it's a subset of the language. Right, it's a subset. Scala is a rich language. Even the subset could be like a fairly challenging target. But when you get into the Java ecosystem, when you call a library that was written in Java, then you suddenly there are like it struggles to compile it. So native image is more versatile than that. And I think a similar story is with Kotlin native, where the Kotlin code gets compiled and then well the Java code doesn't get compiled. Right. So in a sense, I think it would be fair to describe that the GraalVM native image is a little bit more general kind of approach to the compilation to the machine code of like JVM applications. But both Scala native and Kotlin native are very interesting projects, right? And then one of the, why I like them a lot is because they target, they looked at the ecosystem and they realized that the certain problem exists, right? And they started figuring out and working on the tools that solve that problem. And I think that's an essential skill. I saw recently an interview published with uh, Graham Rocher, right? He's one of the authors of Micronaut, currently working on Micronaut. And before he was the author of uh, Grails, kind of grew on 
like a, a groovy framework and the inspired ins by Ruby on Rails. Exactly, inspired by Ruby on Rails. What he said there was absolutely, I don't remember where I saw that, but maybe we can Google and put the link somewhere in the resources. But he said this thing that he, like when he was starting Rails and when he was starting Micronaut, he looked at the ecosystem, what people are doing, what's the development patterns and what are the problems in the current community, what we're struggling with. And he managed to identify in both cases, right, the problem that is actually relevant and he started working on those before the like a large number of people from the community also realized, oh, oh this is a problem and like what could be a solution, right? So with the Grails, that was a different programming model where which was more intuitive, more lightweight, and the things would work out of the box more kind of like Ruby on Rails, right? You put some annotations here and there, and then there will be the active record pattern, and your database access would be more convenient uh, for a developer, right? And then it was great, and Groovy was like, a, back then, Java wasn't maybe the most fast-pacing, moving-forward language, right, as a programming language, right? So Groovy was a very lucrative choice then, I'm sure it's a fine choice now as well, but even modern back then. I don't know, like Grail started in 2007. That was what, like Java 5? So we, we, like we just got generics, right? We were no, barely- it was Java 6. Barely better than Golang, but it doesn't <laughs> matter, right? So, but like he looked at the ecosystem and he identified problems. And with Micronaut, for example, right? Like Micronaut was targeting this, trying to solve this problem of long startups and like long warm-up curves of Java applications before actually we went out and announced, oh, GraalVM has this and that capabilities, right? And then Micronaut bases itself on the annotation processor, right? So they do a lot of stuff like code generation and wiring during the build time, which actually also makes Micronaut very convenient for the GraalVM native image because it does a lot of things at like build time. So there is less stuff to do dynamically at runtime. There is a tutorial on how to create a Micronaut application with GraalVM as well. Yeah, and you can do that in different languages. You can use Micronaut with Java and create native image out of that. You can also use Micronaut with Kotlin, right? And then create native image out of that. I'm not sure what's the story with Micronaut and Scala. Scala uh, wasn't listed at the Micronaut's uh, website as far yeah, as I know. Yeah, it wasn't. Scala is a bit different of community. They like their monadic operators and they, they're like, oh, you have an Elvis operator and it's great, but it's not monadic, so I don't like it. Not sure. Some people are like that. So just to be very explicit, that is not the position of Gravium, right, as a project or the team. And here I'm just, this is my personal opinion, right? But we love all languages, right? So Gravium tries to be a polyglot platform and support all the languages. Like eventually we would like to run all the languages. You can run like a, a mix of those even, in the program. Even some esoteric ones, right? Right, yeah. Just recently, someone was like, oh, you have the, I would like to run the... The BrainFuck. Yeah, language. that one. Right. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> I'm a guest, so I didn't know whether we, we bleep ourselves or not. So, yeah, and you can run that. And then there are other languages. So, Gravium team works on a number of languages, JavaScript, Ruby, and the others that I mentioned. And also, there is a small talk implementation, squeak implementation to be precise, which is done by someone in the community. NVIDIA, for example, developed a language called, in the collaboration with us, developed a language called GRCUDA to expose GPU kernels to all supported languages. Can you give us the pointers on how to implement uh, support for your own favorite language, maybe? Yes, I can give you pointers. I would not be able to, like, maybe implement anything more complex than like a tutorialish language myself, but the gist of it, right? The gist of it. How there must be some sort of an API for this, right? Yes, exactly. First, you need to understand how it works. So it works by you create an interpreter for the language, right? An interpreter that works on the abstract syntax trees of the programs for the targeted language, right? So you build that interpreter using the Truffle framework which is a part of the GraalVM project. And that framework gives you API to describe your abstract syntax tree, right? So there is a thing that will say like, oh, I'm a node. And there is the node can have children nodes, right? And when you start running your program in a language on GraalVM, except the JVM languages, which currently go directly through bytecode. So what happens is 
the program is parsed into this like AST that is representing using the truffle concepts. But it's your task to actually parse the program, right? Yeah, you have to Parser parse the program. Should be should be written by yourself, and then yes. you produce the AST using those APIs that right. provide exactly. by Truffle. Right. Yes, but like your AST implementation, like your node implementation for the nodes, is also written by you, the language creator, right? So, mm -hmm. like you define what plus means, right? Or you define what like the dot operator does, but you define that using the high level language as Java. So you don't have to translate your language concepts into JVM bytecode or say like assembly. So you don't have to like manually optimize that. You kind of define the concept, you fix the specification for your language by providing an interpreter. Mm -hmm. And then at runtime, that interpreter would start running, would collect some runtime information about the program. And then we'll use this technique called partial evaluation, which is a very interesting thing in itself. Essentially, what it will do, or what you will, can think about that, it will bake together the interpreter and the data from the program that is more or less static. So kind of like inline everything that it can from the program, right? So you will get like, you can think about as a mix of the interpreter and the program. And the interpreter was written in Java, right? So the result will also be in Java. Then the ground VM will take that partially evaluated interpreter, which will be much faster than the normal interpreter because it will bake in quite a bit of information. So it will be very efficient. And then it will pass that to the ground VM compiler. And the ground VM compiler will JIT compile that partially evaluated interpreter. So there, like, you can think of that. Like you as a language developer write an interpreter. And then the heavy lifting of making that efficient will be done by the ground VM. That sounds simple. I, I shouldn't know about any machine code generation or anything like that, right? Right. You still need to understand the concepts, right? And certain concepts. And you still need to understand certain things about GraalVM and how it optimizes things. But it's much, much less effort than to create an optimizing compiler in the runtime by yourself. Like, for example, like we have a JavaScript implementation, right? We have GraalVM JavaScript engine. And on the JVM, there were previously a few attempts to get like a, a JavaScript engine like happen, right? And it didn't happen very popularly, right? So there was Rhino and there was Nasworn, and now Nasworn got deprecated because it was too much effort to maintain that because JavaScript is a very rapidly moving language and it's really hard to like manually compile that using like invoke dynamics and I'm not exactly sure how Nasworn is implemented. But for us, that was a much easier challenge because we just need to like a high level interpreter when JavaScript added like big numbers, the arbitrary precision numbers, say for V8, that was a very interesting challenge, how to handle that. For our engine, that was much easier. We created a new like node type in the AST, right, which is the like big number. And when you evaluate big number, you just well call into like big decimal or big integer. And then it automatically is reasonably fast out of the box. Can you then create native images out of your own language, basically, through this Truffle framework? That's a very good question. And you didn't have that in the plan. So I'm sure that you're following. No, I just, I just made it up. It sounded very, like intuitive to ask. Yes, very good. That's a very interesting concept. So remember I said that there is this technique called partial evaluation. Yeah. What it actually, like in the academic community, that would be called the building a Futamura projection. There was Dr. Futamura in the 70s, I think probably in Japan, if I'm correct, in Japan. And then they built a body of work, how you can specialize, like partially evaluate programs. So imagine you have a program and some input to that, right? Say mm -hmm. like your, your curl and your URL that you want to curl. Right? Okay. And then you have this special magical program that can take those two and bake them together into a more efficient version of curl that can only work, uh, like, that specific work URL. with that specific URL, right? It bakes together the input and the implementation. So that is the first Futamura projection. And you get an executable if you apply that, right? You get a curl that is only working for that particular URL, mm -hmm. right? So now that's the super trick. This program, right, this specializer, it's a program and it takes an executable and its input. Now we do, we take the specializer and apply it to the specializer and the executable. 
So we just add one more specializer to the left. And that will be the second Futamer projection. And you will not mm -hmm. get the executable, but you will get the compiler. Uh -huh. You will get the compiler for that particular thing because it will still be able to take a URL and produce this highly efficient curl that only works with this particular URL. How does it apply to my right. custom language with Truffle? Right. So now that's a very good question. There is also a third Futamura projection, but it's like one more, the same, the same thing again, and then you will get the compiler generator. How it applies to your question? So currently, we can build the first Futamura projection, which is the executable, which is what happens at runtime when we partially evaluate your language interpreter. Right? So you, you get a, like a fast interpreter, but for this uh -huh. one particular program that you're running. Right? So, mm -hmm. But that happens at runtime. And the answer is, currently, you cannot build and compile ahead of time the languages that go through Truffle. So you cannot build a native image out of, say, a JavaScript program. You can build a native image and put the JavaScript interpreter into that. Okay. And then at runtime, you can interpret the JavaScript program. Okay. Right? And you can also, into that thing, you can also build in the GraalVM compiler, right? Because it's also Java code. Mm -hmm. So now at runtime, you will get the native image out of the compiler and your interpreter and the Truffle framework. So you'll get native image that is capable of executing JavaScript and also partially evaluating that. So in the native image, the interpreter for the language will still be with good like peak performance. It will not have the ahead of time compiled JavaScript. Technically, it should be possible to apply the second Futamore projection and get the compiler and get sort of like a native image-like functionality for the Truffle languages. But it's currently not there. So yeah, you should totally follow us on Twitter. So when we do implement that, you will be the first to know. What is the official channel to follow the news about GraalVM? Right, we have a few. Besides like, Twitter. Twitter is probably the easiest. We have the team blog at medium.com slash GraalVM where we will definitely be writing about all exciting things and technical details about how stuff works. You can also join the mailing list. So you can have the GraalVM announce at oss.oracle.com, and there is a GraalVM users and GraalVM dev at oss.oracle.com. If you have questions, you can send them there. And there is also a community Slack uh, workspace that you can join if you want to have like a more rapid interaction with the team. So you can ask maybe some questions, or if you are implementing a language on GraalVM, that is probably the easiest way to like, get the most rapid feedback from people who implemented like, a bunch of languages on GraalVM. Are there a lot of people on that Slack uh, channel? Not a lot. No, not a lot. I mean, like, we're certainly not at the like, Kotlin Slack level. Maybe like 900? I'm not sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check. But it should be like a few hundred people definitely there. And both questions about languages. If you want to, like an example of how to implement the language, there is a language called Simple Language, which started as a really, really simple language. It's like 974 people, so almost a thousand. It's a simple language and it's available on GitHub. And it's now, it's not the most simplest language, but it's a language that showcases the features of Truffle framework for how to be languages. Right? And, and then you can see like, some patterns and how to use the DSL and how to use the annotations and how to implement some certain stuff. I see. It's a very versatile thing. So for example, I know that you can implement tail call optimizations on Truffle with like, using exceptions originally, and then it will compile to, like, uh, and the compiler will figure out for producing like, normal code, which is very, very cool. So, but that is more esoteric, a little bit more esoteric. Like very few people need to implement their languages. What you, dear people listening to this ramblings, should know is that Gravium contains a compatible JDK. So if you are running Java applications or Scala applications or like any JVM applications, you should download and give it a try. It does come with the great just-in-time compiler, so it could be your applications could be faster. And the, some frameworks are actually supporting Gravium with their tooling, right? Yes, actually. So I recently learned about that, and that was quite mind-blowing for that. There was the, the Vertex project, right, by, I think, Eclipse uh, Vertex, right, which is the kind of server framework, which uses the async, yes. uh, async uh, IO event, and event loop. event loop, right? So it's kind of like a little bit similar to Node.js, 
And they have a, another project there in the same kind of ecosystem, which is the ES4X, which is their framework to write JavaScript applications on top of the Vertex, right? So they suggest running it on Gradium. And they recently learned, so there is a thing called Tech Empower Benchmarks, and they try to simulate those real-world small applications that access database and whatnot. So if you go into Tech Empower Benchmarks and look at the JavaScript, right, the top entry, the fastest JavaScript framework on Tech Empower Benchmarks is ES4X, which are running JavaScript in Java using GraalVM and now we're a JavaScript engine. Great. Which is very interesting. So yeah, and the same with, like, with Java applications, Kotlin applications. And we recently, the recent release got some changes to how the compiler handles the code that core teams was in counted loops produce. And we saw some good benefits there. So maybe someone from Kotlin could look at that and see whether it improves performance numbers of Kotlin applications. Right. That was a good reference, yes. So maybe Kotlin team will actually find time for this. Yeah. Uh, after the release, 1.4 is coming soon. Oh, yeah. This is where you replace the compiler, right? With the new compiler. Exactly. Right. But this is not the just-in-time compiler. This is just the like, Java C-like compiler. It's uh, the reworked Kotlin C compiler. Yeah, Kotlin C compiler. Very good, very good. I've heard a, a, a presentation about that at uh, Kotlin Conf in December. Good. So we have learned uh, about GraalVM projects pretty, like, a lot today. There, there is JIT, there is native image, there is support for different languages. You can implement your own language. A lot of community projects are looking into GraalVM, and a lot of companies are interested in that. And in the light of serverless, native image is really like a nice technology. So we probably can wrap it up here. Yes. So thank you, Alec, for coming and chatting with us. Yeah, thank Actually, you. Actually chatting most of the time. Oh, yeah, no, it was a pleasure. Uh, I, sorry, I ran over time. No, we, we are not really limited by the time, but we just try to make it discreet. Yeah, this and is, predictable, this is not to our... See, I, like a good JIT, I started slowly and then I warmed up and then there was no stopping. Yeah, no, thank you very much. And uh, if anyone listens to this, like if you have questions about GraalVM or are interested, uh, ping me directly or any of the channels that I'm sure we'll post links to and I'll be personally happy to help. Perfect. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.